You're listening to the St. John's Diamond Creek podcast, recorded live each Sunday at St. John's Anglican Church, Diamond Creek. This episode presented by Associate Minister Julie Blinko. And yet I will show you the most excellent way. If I speak in the tongues of men or of angels, but do not love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains, but if I ha- but do not love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I may boast, but do not love, I gain nothing. Love is patient, love is kind. It does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud. It does not dishonor others, it is not self-seeking, it is not easily angered, it keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices in the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always preserves. Uh, Perseveres, sorry. Love never fails. But where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away. But we know in part, and we prophesy in part. But when completeness comes, what is in part disappears. When I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child. When I became a man... I put the ways of childhood behind me. For we see only reflection as in a a mirror. Then we will see face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. And now these three remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. Hi. I've been thinking... A lot about love lately. For those of you who don't know, I've been engaged recently to Andrew, who I think is on his phone (laughs) over there. (laughs) And I've been giving a bit of thought. I thought, number one, how spirit-led is our senior minister to ask me to speak on love the week after, like, I was going to, we announced our engagement. This was planned months ago. I just think Tim's so onto it. Like, well done, Tim. But I've been thinking a bit about what life, and specifically our social media and our movies, would look like without love. Who's seen Moulin Rouge, for example? Yep, a couple of people, not everyone. So there's this famous scene, for those who have watched it, Ewan McGregor and Nicole Kidman at the top on the rooftops singing a love melody to each other. You may have heard of Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Anyone heard of that? You learn about that in school? They say, he says, one of the main needs is food, and he puts it above love. So I thought, how would this melody go if we replaced love with food? I attempted it just a little bit. All you need is food. All you need is food. I was made for baking, baby. You were made for cooking, too. Not only would this scene be a train wreck, most songs and Hollywood movies would go out of business with their unrelatability. Our world loves love. Even in my junk mail this week, maybe I noticed it more than usual, but there's a whole lot of couples in love. 
you know, buying barbecues and looking adoring at each other as they buy toothpaste, Colgate, and have big, bright smiles like Colgate, the answer and the solution for love. I guess they're wanting us to buy that product to feel like that. When we think of love, it's pretty common to think of the feelings which come when we're feeling in love, right? In fact, when I was preparing for today's sermon, I looked up my thesaurus and looked at the synonyms of love. Here we go. To have tenderness, to have passion, lust, infatuation, desire, to be romantically inclined towards, to like someone very much, to cherish, to have appreciation for, to have fondness towards, to be enchanted by. Put the thesaurus down. I'm going to pick up my Bible, open it up. It says, love one another. So I want you to look right and look left and think about love and who might you be being asked to be enchanted by, according to the thesaurus definition. Well done, guys. This morning, everyone was way too awkward to even look right or look left. They're just like, I'm not going to. I'm not going to. It is a bit awkward in that definition. And yet, in the reading we heard today, love is described as the most excellent way. The Apostle Paul, the writer of that passage, has just gone on in the last few weeks we looked at it, looking at all the spiritual gifts, miracles, prophecy, healing powers and more. He goes on to describe the body of Christ, us using our talents and our gifts and our personhood for the common good. And in future weeks he'll go on to describe proper order in worship. So it's a little bit of a, like, what's going on? In the middle of that, he stops and talks about love, saying that even if all of that were working perfectly, you know, all the spiritual gifts, people are living with gusto for the common good, perfect worship and order, even if all of that's going so well, without love, it amounts to nothing. It's like a clanging cymbal. He writes to eagerly desire the greater gifts of faith, hope and love, the greatest of them being love. So let's take a look again at how he describes love and I want you to think about how different this is from the thesaurus, the dictionary definition, the thesaurus definition I was reading before. In fact, nothing is mentioned of the same. Love is patient, love is kind. It does not envy, it does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonour others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. All right. So we're, we're recognising biblical definition of love radically different from what pop culture might show us and also what um, the definition I read about the ones earlier. Let's talk, look at then some of those passages. What does it mean to be walking in these spiritual gifts in love? What is it? Why do we? Why is it in the middle of these passages we've been looking at? Well, imagine. Let's just say someone has an incredible gift of wisdom and knowledge, and they're also really good at playing guitar. So this is the kind of person you, you want them in any kind of team, right? You want them. You want them on your band because they're phenomenal at guitar. It's like, if they're on the team, I want to be on their team. 
um, youth unite coming up, that's the person we want up the front, right? That's the person. Not only that, they're just brilliant. They have such insight into the most complex things. Relationship challenges, go to them. They've got knowledge, they've got insight. They're even on the um, parish council. Like they've just got phenomenal insight to things. And a lot of people tell this person how insightful and wonderful and clever they are as well. And it begins to, you know, go to their head a bit. You know, you're right. Yeah, I am helpful to have around. Ah, oh, I do like performing up front. I'm probably the most brilliant person I know at playing guitar. I don't know, but it's, it must be close. I know a fair few people. Maybe I should... I mean, how do people cope when I'm on annual leave at Christmas time? It must be challenging around here. Now, I'm exaggerating, right? But we have the propensity to take on these compliments people give, it, give us and sort of take them pretty personal because it feels pretty nice and forget that these things are gifts from God. Love does not boast. Love is not proud. Love is not self-seeking. While this person is excelling in knowledge and wisdom and is using the gifts God has given them, if they have not approached it in love, in God's eyes, it amounts to nothing, a clanging symbol, it says. Another example. Imagine, might be hard, just imagine you're on a roster. Anyone been on a roster? I'm sure you have. Whether it's church, school, maybe you've got family rosters for doing things at home. And you're pretty faithful with doing what you've been asked to do. You can see how it helps and, well, initially you were pretty happy to help out. But in recent times, you've kind of been thinking, oh man, I'm always the one turning up. I'm always the one doing this. No one else ever puts their hand up. And it's not like you say that. They're just like, you know, little private thoughts, but it begins to get to you. Even when they do turn up, they don't even do it that well. One time they didn't even turn up. I can't believe they didn't turn up. Maybe you're the one that didn't turn up. Oh, it doesn't really matter. I just won't turn up today. It doesn't matter if I'm 20 minutes late. Oh, look, I'll keep at it because it's my duty, but I'm not that happy about it. And I'm going to get a bit, you know, without even knowing, we get a bit resentful. We get a bit annoyed. And suddenly we're not doing it out of love. We're, we're feeling a bit bitter about it. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love does not dishonour others. Love keeps no records of wrongs. Love always hopes. Love always perseveres. So if we're doing that out of duty and doing it perfectly, but our inner thoughts are beginning to get resentful and annoyed and keeping tallies of how well everyone else is doing, God says, without love, it amounts to nothing. I am a clanging symbol. Ouch. Gosh. Love is suddenly sounding really hard. Loving like this is really challenging. I kind of prefer the Colgate smile, feeling in love sort of stuff. And the new barbecue. This type of love sounds really impossible to live out. And yet, we're told it is the most excellent way. And yet, we're told all the other stuff, the prophecy, the tongues, the gifts, the talents we've been given, will one day cease. It won't carry on forever. But love will carry on through to eternity.
It's worth it. And therefore, it's worth us learning to love like this. I believe one day we'll be asked, did you learn to love? Did you learn to love? Did you learn to love? Did you learn to love when things were hard and you didn't feel like it? Did you learn to love when you knew you wouldn't receive love in return? Verse 11, when I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man or a woman, I put aside the ways of childhood behind me. I.e. there is a choice to put aside the childish ways which we used to do and to choose to learn the most excellent way. Now I'd say, but for Jesus, this is impossible. But with God, it's not only possible, but he anticipates that we will learn to do so. Why? Because we're made in his image. And as we follow Jesus, we're being transformed into the image of God. God is love. God so loved that he sent his only son, Jesus, to live amongst us and show us the most excellent way to live. Jesus is the perfect example of what God is like. So if God is love, Jesus shows us what that love is like. Fortunately, he walked to the earth and we've got written documentation of what he did. But we can also ask him, help her, help me. Help me to know what you would do. Help me to know what you're like. His life is the best example we have of love incarnate. The best example of the most excellent way. The best example of the most excellent way. Wow. Jesus up on a pedestal where he belongs. Given that, why aren't we studying this man's life more? Why aren't we fixated on how he responds to situations and what he says? Reading the Bible every day, taking in his words, getting absorbed by his life, studying it, reading it, asking questions, making it a magnificent quest to know him more. If we do so, I truly believe our life will be richer for it. When I look at his life, he showed us how to be fully alive in the spiritual gifts and living for others, yet walking in humility and meekness. You might recall the story where the 72 disciples came running back to him after casting out demons and seeing miraculous powers at work. You can kind of, I picture them around a campfire. Jesus, we did this, we did this, we did this, and the demons did this, and then they had to go, oh my gosh, it was amazing. My paraphrase, but you can imagine just everyone so excited, like the best mission trip ever, buzzing away. My version, Jesus says, hey, just chill out, everyone. Bigger picture here, your names are written in heaven. That's what you should be rejoicing over. He was perfectly and utterly committed to walking in love, even when they rejected him, even when they abused him, even when they betrayed him and disowned him. He hung out with sinners, yet he was the holiest person ever to walk the planet. Truly, this is stuff of awe and wonder. Like, how How did he do it? How is it possible? Verse 31, Yet I will show you the most excellent way, the way of love, the way of Jesus, 
In another passage, he says, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. By being born again, we are given a new life, a new beginning. And from there, we learn to love like Jesus loves. It's like getting on a bike, really, but heaps more profound. You know, when you get, when I first got on a bike, I fell off. I cracked my head open and I've still got a scar there that means I can't have a fringe. If anyone ever wondered why I don't have a fringe, no, I've wondered why I can't have one. And the hairdresser said it's because you've got a scar there and it forces, wait, too much information. The point is, it was a bad accident. I got back on the bike and I really love cycling still. I tried it lots of times and I got a lot better at it and now I love cycling. And it's the same as love. We sometimes really stuff up at it. We sometimes do the wrong thing, but it's like getting back on the bike and trying again. Jesus could love like this because of his relationship with his heavenly Father. Verse 12, For now we see only a reflection of ourselves and of God, and as in a mirror. So you're looking in a mirror, I can see a little bit of me. I can see, like, you know, part of me, but not the whole mirror. Then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. Jesus knew God fully and was fully known, and it's a journey we're on too. Meaning when we see God face to face, we see all of him, but we also see how he sees us. Now we only see that in part. So looking at Jesus' example on earth, an enormous ongoing and significant theme throughout his ministry is this. He looked to and leant on his heavenly Father. That one thing is mentioned in all of the Gospels so many times. He withdrew to a private place. He sought his Father. He prayed to his Father. And you might be thinking, yeah, 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 I got that, Julie. Like, I know. I know he hung out with his heavenly Father. We get it. He was Jesus. But if he is the best example of the most excellent way, if that's the one point we take home with us, what stops us from doing that? When we have a bad day, a tough day, lately I've been calling my fiancé and like having a chat and maybe you're calling friends or loved ones or your parents or school friends. He looked to his heavenly father. We all need to learn to go to the cross, to go to our father in prayer and to talk to him. Maybe that's not your issue. Maybe you're not a big phone chatter. Maybe instead you're just like, I'm pretty busy. I'm just going to carry on. I've got so much homework. I've got so much stuff at work, I just don't have time to pray right now. I'm just going to keep on, I might get to it on the weekend. This perception that it's going to take so much time, and yet we're always better off having spent that time pausing and seeking God. Maybe you think, I just don't really think um, he's going to respond. You know, I don't, I don't really believe that he's going to do it. And I'd say, draw near to him. Let him. Let him show you. Perhaps you're thinking, I've never done that, actually. And I would say, well, join a life group. Ask people that do do that, that know how to seek God, and ask them to show you. Draw near with them. Or perhaps you're like, you know what? Sometimes if you've felt so far from God for a year, it's going to take like a year to get back that close again. And I'd say, that's a lie of the enemy. It's not true. 
The prodigal son's story, for those who knows it, know it, the second, that son, no, not the second, but he, he inclined himself towards his father and his father came running. It's not eye for an eye. It's not you've, hung, you've been away from me for a year. It's going to take a year to get back. No. The second we begin to point our hearts towards God, he comes running towards us because he wants to show us we're loved, we're his. He wants to show us how precious we are to him. And guaranteed, it will be more natural and easier to choose to walk in love for others after that. And I guess in this I don't mean, Heavenly Father, help me, thanks, head off. I mean spending time with God and letting him minister to you. But I'm annoyed at those rosters. That person's not turning up. And I'm finding myself really angry at them because it's meaning it's more work for me. Go to God in prayer. God, this is how I'm feeling and I'm being honest with you. Forgive me, God, for like getting so angry and, and not bringing it to you. I don't want to be someone who walks with resentment and unforgiveness and feels heavy-hearted and gets snappy at people. I want to be someone who walks in love. So, God, let your love change my heart so I can talk to the people. I can have those courageous conversations, but do them in love. He wants to cherish you. He wants to show you how much you mean to him. God is love. And he wants to change us to be like him. When God is the source of love, we're not relying on the other person to show love back. Jesus, Jesus showed us that giving love no longer is dependent on how worthy the person is of our affection or if they'll respond with equal affection. It comes from God loving us and us responding to that love by loving others. Verse 6. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. And now these three things remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. Eagerly desire, eagerly desire these greater gifts. I'm going to finish with a story um, of a community in Kenya who read 1 Corinthians 13, and eagerly desired the greater gifts. This is what they did. It might be relevant, but um, I was... I felt to pray about this sermon on Friday and went into the little prayer room and this book just sort of jumped off the shelf at me. Not literally, but it just you know stood out at me. And I just opened it up and suddenly I was reading this passage about a community seeking love. And so I felt to share it with you guys today. It's about two minutes, so, you know, settle in. My dad and mother were literally lay... Oh, so, sorry, so this is Philip Keller and he's writing about his parents who were missionaries in Kenya. My dad and mother were literally laying down their lives to try and establish a strong group of Christian believers in the bush country of Diamond Creek, no kidding, of Kenya. But after working tirelessly for 16 years in that difficult territory, they decided a special, deeper work of God was needed. Only God's spirit and God's word could inspire and lead men and women to immerse themselves in the very life of Christ. With this goal in mind, a conference was held. Every one of the Christian leaders, pastors, teachers and elders were obliged to attend. In preparation for the week's conference, each one was to read and meditate on 1 Corinthians 13. The entire chapter was to be prayed over carefully every day for a full month. 
It was also to be completely memorized and repeated whenever the Holy Spirit brought it to their attention. The leaders were to submerge themselves in these scriptures. When they came to the conference, held in a very simple sheet iron chapel on the crest of a high hill, it was to study and examine and understand what God's Spirit was conveying to the church in this profound passage. For seven days and seven nights, that group of African Christians dwelt in the truths of this so-called love chapter. And in doing so, they came to Christ. They drank deeply of his life. They were satisfied. Their thirst was slaked. And they went away revitalised. The results of that event was absolutely dramatic. In the lives of the leaders, there came an acute and unique awareness of Christ within. It began to change the whole character of the African church. There was a tremendous new thrust in the work of God's spirit among those who longed to know God. A great sense of earnestness and devotion to Christ developed. Perhaps most profound for me as a lad was to see the beginning of an enormous change in my dad's character. Where before he had been rather rough and tough, there began to steal over his life a winsome, mellow tenderness. He became one dearly beloved. He was approachable, understanding and patient in ways never known before. This was the unique impact of the character of Christ upon his character. In awe and gratitude, I saw in living terms what the love of God could do. I'm going to pray. Heavenly Father, we all need your love. We've seen glimpses, we know it in our head, but we want more of your, your love, God. We pray that it would seep into our hearts, into our minds, that we would know more fully how you see us, and that you would indeed show us that. I pray, God, we could be transformed by that so that we can love and live the most excellent way. I pray an incredible blessing on each person here today. Thank you that they are known by you, and wherever they're at with their journey, you desire to meet them right where they're at. God, I, I pray you would do that, and I pray you'd soften our hearts towards you and your plans for us. And God, as this church, as 6pm, grows as a community of love, your word says that others will see and know that you are God as a result. We pray, God, you would add to our numbers those that know you and love you as well. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for joining us. If you've got any questions about this podcast, connect with us on our website, stjohnsdc.org.au or at facebook.com slash stjohnsdc. Don't forget, you can join us live in Diamond Creek every Sunday at 9.30am and 6pm.